Welcome to another episode of Oopsie Daisy. Happy Thursday and let's get personal. But first, grab your favorite drink. Cheers! So listeners, do you guys have your favorite drink next to you? Because I do. I'm drinking a high noon watermelon flavor. It is my new favorite drink because I'm trying to cut off wine. And high noon has made it very, very easy for me. I started drinking this, I would say maybe like five months ago. And I'm like, this is so much better than White Claw because I don't like White Claw and any other of those salsa drinks. But High Noon, it is my jam. So if you obviously not drinking High Noon or any alcohol beverages, that is fine. Whatever you're drinking, just make sure you have your drink next to you. I was just in the mood of having a drink because I've been very nice lately and I've decided not to drink as much alcohol as I was consuming um, during COVID or even during the summer. But if you are also wondering why did I just get an alert that there was a new episode of Oopsie Daisy's podcast, like what happened to two weeks ago? Well, I want you to know that I got sick. So if you don't follow me on Instagram and you're like, what happened to this person? I got sick and (laughs) I was not expecting to even get sick. But unfortunately, I don't have the best immune system. So I'm pretty sure you're going to learn this or have learned this about me already because I get sick a lot. And it's funny because I either don't get sick for a year or I get sick a lot throughout the year. And this is a year when I've been getting sick a lot. And this is the first one where I was just like, oh, sad. Like I have COVID. Like that's how sick I felt. And it came out negative and I kept testing and getting tested and it kept coming out negative. I got tested for strep throat and it came out negative as well. And it was just me really not listening to my body because in the beginning when I started feeling sick, I still kept pushing myself. I still kept booking all my sessions and talking a lot because my job does require for me to talk. And, and from nowhere, I remember it was a Tuesday and I felt, I was so sick. I woke up. I did. I don't even know how I went to work. I don't even know how I still went to my sessions, but it was a new client. And I was just like, I didn't want to disappoint this person. Like I'm pretty sure they were looking forward to it. And I I just didn't want to let them down and let them feel like I wasn't going to be consistent. And so I pushed myself to go to the session and as the session, before the session even started, like my voice was getting worse and I was feeling even worse. And then as the session started, like I, my voice was just really bad. And the only thing I was thinking was just like, please don't cough, please don't cough. Because nowadays, like if you cough, people are like, assume you have COVID. So um, of course I had a, a cough attack. And when I got home, I was just like, I felt worse. And then I went to the doctor the next day and he just had me off from work. And, and even then, like, I was still talking. I was still, like, not fully resting. And then the following week, I was even more sick. And so I had to get a, a, dose, a dosage that was higher for my antibiotics. And then that's when I started feeling better. So that's why I was gone for two weeks. But I'm back. And I'm happy to have my voice back because I'm like, oh, I'm like, I can't imagine not being able to talk because I apparently do talk a lot and I, and I don't mind it. So, but um, I'm excited to be back and to have a new guest, to have a new conversation, a new topic. And this week's guest, as you will learn, as we slowly transition to that part, his name is Katel. And honestly, 
I really enjoy the conversation I had with him. He's amazing and he defines what I try to educate everybody and really make you feel. And that is that whether you've been diagnosed, whether you're struggling with your mental health, or you're simply seeing a loved one struggle, that that doesn't define or stop you from being able to accomplish and be anybody in this world. That you can still have a diagnosis, you can still be struggling every day, you can still be seeing a loved one struggle, but they're still more than capable of being who they want to be. And that's exactly what he stands for. And so I'm excited for you guys to listen to his story. But before we jump into that conversation, I want to focus on my journey and really to make you understand that if you've received that paper that has told you you've been diagnosed, if you've seen your loved one go go whole 360 and just start struggling with their mental health and you have no idea what to do, you're losing hope, you're losing faith, or you're simply struggling with your mental health. I want you to understand that in the beginning, it's really hard because you have no idea what's going on, right? If you're that individual simply just struggling going on and you just feel major changes going on in your body and your mind, maybe you're not as social as you used to be, or maybe your moods are switching a lot faster, or maybe you just don't even want to socialize, don't want to Um, spend no quality time with anybody and all you want to do is sleep, right? There's so many things in how a person can be affected with their mental health, right? The first thing I definitely say is do not go to Google and start searching like this is how I feel because of course you're going to get a whole bunch of different disorders and that's just going to give you an anxiety attack um, and make you under and make you feel like there's definitely something wrong with me um, and you start labeling yourself. No one can label you besides a psychiatrist and a psychologist. So if you have not been diagnosed, then you don't have anything. Okay. What you can say is, you know what, before I used to be a very social person, I enjoy going out and having a great time. And now I just can't seem to go out or I can't seem to go to a certain place because then I started feeling like my pause, my heart, everything just almost starts accelerating. Or maybe it has nothing to do with you going out and feeling that way. It has to do with the fact that your body physically doesn't allow you to get up and move and do anything, right? If you start feeling like simple things like that, you can just be like, you know what? Like I'm starting to have signs of depression or I'm starting to have signs of anxiety. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have it. Then the next step would be like, let me just see if I can see a therapist and just talk and let them know how I'm feeling because I don't even know how I'm feeling. And from there, if they see like there's something even more than, you know, having anxiety attacks or having, you know, depression episodes based on, you know, a traumatic event that you're experiencing or, or based on past trauma that you've never been able to heal or just because you're such an overthinker of some situation that you're currently facing and you're becoming overwhelmed and is developing this anxiety, then she's just going to, or he's just going to, you know, work with you and talk to you and, you know, help you and give you those coping skills to better whatever situation that you're currently struggling with, with your mental health. 
But if they start to see like, okay, like this person's been through a lot of trauma, like nonstop, this person has this amount of triggers, has these like three to four amount of episodes, um, I think we need to refer them. Um, And so that's where you will get referred to a psychologist um, or a psychiatrist, and they'll be able to diagnose you. Um, Psychiatrist is the only person that's able to give you this um, medication. A psychologist won't, but a psychologist would be able to diagnose you. And so once you are diagnosed, if you even get to that point, then the moment you receive that paper and you see, you know, what's written there, don't start thinking negative. Don't start bringing yourself down or telling yourself like, I'm a crazy person. That is not the language that you want to be talking to yourself or definitely not the language that you want to speak to someone that you're seeing that's struggling, that just been diagnosed or is just starting to go to therapy or doesn't want to go to therapy. Um, You just have to continue to be kind to yourself. You have to educate yourself, right? If you are diagnosed, then you really have to sit down and you don't know what, what that disorder is. Be honest with your psychologist. Be honest with your psychiatrist and be like, well, what is bipolar? You know, why do I have bipolar? What triggers my bipolar? Like all these things, even though they will educate you on this, these are questions that you can ask, you know, and you're able to cope with it. But the only way to be successful is that you have to be consistent. You have to continue to go to therapy. You have to continue if they prescribe you medication. And if it's needed, then you take your medication. The moment you stop taking your medication when it's prescribed to you and you really need it because the moment you're not on on those medications, like you start seeing like you're regressing, then that means that there's no reason for you not to be on your medication, right? Um, Like, for example, when I was diagnosed with PTSD, um, I had an idea and that is the typical um, understanding what BTS is. And that's if you've been to army and traumatic experience, but I didn't know that, you know, it can just be any type of traumatic experience, you know, even as a kid through a car accident, through loss, you know, major, um, life crisis that you had to encounter that was an overwhelmed feeling and traumatic experience for you that can cause PTSD. And so, once I was diagnosed, um, you know, I educated myself. Um, slowly, I learned what were my triggers, and I learned what my triggers were as I continued to go to my sessions. You know, in each sessions, I learned things about myself, things that I didn't know. Um, I learned my coping skills, um, as well as like things that I can do besides coping skills, like meditation, like yoga. You know, and then just my additional thing that I believe that has always been helpful for me, and that is praying and believing in God. Um, And so once this part is done and you have educated yourself, then you have to continue and never think that you're not enough, that you're not good enough, right? And never look at yourself like, oh, I'm this person with this disorder, right? Like I don't see myself as, oh, I'm Daisy who have PTSD. I'm Daisy who struggles with depression. Oh, I'm Daisy who, you know, struggle with panic attacks or struggle with anxiety. Like, no, I'm just Daisy. Through my experiences in life, unfortunately, it has led me to develop, you know, a disorder. And through 
the grief that I encounter and let me to develop depression. But I'm still more than capable of being anybody in this world. And that's how you have to look at yourself. Look at yourself just as, who are you? You're an amazing human being. That's it. You're just an amazing human being who wakes up every day, goes to school, goes to work. Amazing father, amazing mother, amazing sister, amazing brother. That's who you are. You are not a person who is bipolar. You are not a person who has psychosis. You are not that. That is something that you've been diagnosed, but that is not what defines you. And that would not stop you from accomplishing or being the best version of yourself. And the same thing goes if you are the loved one seeing that person that completely changed, right? Be that support system, you know, encourage them, be patient. You know, even if you see success right now, at times you might see regression. It does not mean that they're going to get worse. It just means that happens. That is part of mental health. You move two steps forward and sometimes you take a step back, right? It's like a relapse, but you continue to move forward. And the way we continue to move forward is you have to continue to support them. You have to continue to applaud them. You have to continue to be patient with them. But the whole point of this whole conversation is that you are more than what your mental health struggle is, than what you've been diagnosed or what you've seen that loved one struggle with. We can never erase certain pains that we encounter in life that has molded us, that has changed us. But what we can do is look at what's ahead of us. Take what we've learned through that pain, through that change, through that struggle, whether it has been long-term, short-term, and just let it mold you to be the new person that you're going to be or that you are. But even through these changes that we come as human beings, we are still more than capable of being amazing. We should never be hard on ourselves. We should never judge anybody who is struggling. And you should never feel like you're not enough or define yourself based on a disorder, based on your struggle. Put your head up, be kind to yourself, love yourself. And if you're that loved one who is seeing that person that you love completely change, being hard on themselves, be kind to them, encourage them, be their affirmation every day. Tell them how amazing they are because they might not believe it. Maybe they're defining themselves based on their disorder. Tell them that they're not. Remind them of who they are. But of course, don't forget about yourself. I really hope that this message can make anybody who's ever struggled with mental health, currently struggling with mental health, to know that we are humans, but that does not define us. It makes us stronger. And we're capable of being anything, anyone that we want, just like any person who's never struggled with their mental health or never been diagnosed, all right? Own up to those scarves. Own up to them because they have a story. And you are here right now listening to me because you either want to learn more about mental health, you're currently struggling, you've seen a loved one struggle, but also because you believe that mental health is real. 
But as much as mental health is real, mental health does not define us, okay? So take, eliminate that stigma that people unfortunately have portrayed mental health to be. You got this. Whether you're that person struggling or that loved one seeing someone struggle, things will get better. Now we can set way into our beautiful guest that I get to welcome this week. Like I said, his name is Katel. He is a person who now is a mentor for so many individuals who are struggling with mental health. His story is truly a definition of it doesn't matter how many times have you ever been to a psych war that you are not defined by your mental health. You're going to hit bumps, but you're going to learn from it and you're going to continue and you're going to overcome every downfall you had. And then you're going to be that person that gets to uplift someone else who's in the same situation as you were. And that's exactly what Katel is. He is a person who was thrown at mental health, had no idea what it was, why he was feeling the way he was, completely lost control, regrouped himself, learned what works for him, learned to love himself, learned to redefine who he is. And now he's an Arthur. And now we get to listen to his journey. And I hope you enjoy it. Oh, thank you so much for being on Oopsie Daisy. I'm so excited to have this honest conversation with you and get personal. Um, as I told you before, I always love to start with a breathing exercise to get our mind centered and take any nerves that we're feeling or stress that we felt throughout the week. So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. Yeah. Think about your favorite place, your favorite color anything that relaxes your body. I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to slowly exhale. And we're gonna do this one more time, but this time as you as you breathe in, I want you to really take everything that was bothering you this week and just let it out. So breathe in and slowly exhale. Now you can slowly open your eyes. Thank you, that was great. <laughs> I always like to start with that, just to relax ourselves and get started. Um, yeah, no, it definitely had me anyway. So. <laughs> Yay. Um, I want to get to know, and I know my listeners want to know, who were you before becoming, you know, an author, as well as just being able to help in the, um, any person who's struggling at this moment? So, yeah, so I, I was thinking about this, and I, I was thinking you're going to ask me something like along those lines about my past. Um, so before kind of my mental health journey started, I suppose, I was always growing up, I was always quiet. I was very quiet. I don't, I don't, I, my childhood memories are kind of scattered a bit, but my mother told me anyway, that I was very, very quiet child. Okay. Um, so on into the high school years and I grew up in a small town, Clanmel in Tipperary in Ireland. So it's, a uh, Population of about 25,000 people. Um, I grew up there for the first five years of my life in a, in a estate or a community, you could say, um, neighborhood, as you call it over there. And um, so, um, yeah, I moved out to the, the country then and 
you know, went to school, done all the normal things, played sports, done all the normal things, um, went to secondary school or high school. And that's when kind of I started becoming a bit disruptive, my teachers would, would, would call me. Um, I didn't really fit in, didn't really fit into to secondary schools. I went from a small school to a big school, so a small country school to a very big high school. And um, I found the transition very difficult myself. Um, so fast forwarding a little bit, um, went through high school. I finished my final exams and went into college. And um, again, college, I found the, the freedom. I was 17 going to uh, college, university. I found the freedom quite overwhelming, but I, I loved it as well because it gave me a chance to kind of express myself and be free of kind of the expectations of high school and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, then I went on to drop out of college, uh, started my own business. I went through a couple of years, repeating years and flunking out and dropping out and starting again, starting over. But eventually I dropped out and started my own business in the family business, which is uh, beauty products on the high street of a place called Cork City in Ireland. So, um, yeah, I suppose that's when kind of things kicked off. Like the business went on for three years. Okay, so I ran the business for three years. And um, eventually when it closed down, I suffered from stress. Like I hit a wall. I was very stressed in the business, you know, um, in this business I started. And I hit a wall, basically, in that I had all this running running around, stressed out, stressed out, dealing with staff, dealing with things that come running the business at 19 years of age. And I eventually hit what some people would call a breakdown. So I'll tell a little story. So I know this is a lot. Sorry. Um, we love stories. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so basically, I went on this holiday with my friends when I when I when I start, when I finished the business when I closed the business down. I went on this holiday to a place called Tenerife. It's a Canary Island off the coast of Spain, and um, I basically had all this freedom again, and you know I was loving all this freedom, and I basically spent like three or four days wandering around the island with no food, no all I was drinking was coffee, no water, anything. And I eventually, there's a lot, but um, I eventually ended up on a beach in the middle of the night. Okay. And I was hearing voices, what the doctors would, would call psychosis or mania or whatever, you know. Um, I was hearing all these voices in my head and actual voices outside of me. And like they were, they were threatening, threatening voices. And, um, Last heard I, last voice I heard was someone say, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And the next thing I know, I wake up in a hospital in Tenerife, in Canary Island, surrounded by all these doctors in white coats. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, but I was so high and so manic at that time that I thought that like this is all part of some special plan. You know, I was getting messages from the music that I was supposed to be here as part of some special grandiose plan and um that's when it kicked off you know that's when my mental health journey kicked off but i hope that's not too much but no we um 
I mean, at least here, oopsie daisy. I this is what I want to hear. I want honesty. I, I just want to hear your raw story because you're not the only person who's probably gone through this, but you're speaking out. So that means you're not only helping men, any person who's gone through it. So thank you for sharing. Um, so this was like the first time you experienced like having a psychosis, just going through anything that has to do with mental health. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even know what psychosis was. Like if you had said to me, you're having psychosis, I'd be like, what psychosis? It wasn't even in my vocabulary. Mental health wasn't in my vocabulary. Nothing like that. So, um, yeah, I would say that is where things kicked off. And then, so for about a year afterwards, I was um, basically in a psychotic state at at home. When I got home into my home here in, in Ireland, um, my parents, my family didn't know what was going on. Like, they were like, what is wrong with him? What is up with him? Like, you know, and it's completely changed. He's, they were worried, you know, and eventually I had to be um, sectioned or involuntarily admitted into, into a psychiatric hospital, which was all new to me as well. Very scary. Um, very scary for my family. Very scary for me. It was the last resort, but unfortunately that's what I needed, you know? So being a psychiatric hospital, I know you're induced with medication you start doing either group a yeah. lot of therapy individual therapy how was it for you and what did you learn about yourself during that time well i'll be honest um i went into a public hospital in ireland okay so there's not much therapy or group therapy or individual therapy it's just in the door you go into a bed and if they, if they have a bed for you some i know there isn't beds for some people um, in that they're overcrowded, the hospitals. It's a crisis here in Ireland. But anyways, um, so there wasn't much therapy. But then I went, I went into um, a hospital up in Dublin. It was a private hospital. And that was, I did get, like, not really group therapy. It's kind of maybe different over here. But um, I got, like, see a psychiatrist every week and talk to him, the consultant, and, you know, work through issues like that. What kind my of... Experience, my experience, sorry... My experience was traumatic, very traumatic. I mean, I because can... I was, I was, I was taken out of my, out of my own home against my own will. I didn't want that, you know. Um, so it was traumatic. Yeah, I can only imagine the feeling of, you know, one minute, yes, having the feeling of feeling stressed, till having a breakdown, and now having no control of what decision to make, and just being put, you know, in a hospital. It's definitely dramatic. But what did you learn about yourself like while going through and speaking to a psychiatrist? I learned that and looking back, I had this underlying bravery. Even though I was insecure, I was insecure, I was afraid, I was afraid of everything. I had this underlying bravery and underlying resilience and self-belief that I was going to make it true regardless of what doctors said regards what people around me said maybe it was a little bit part of my condition you know um in that I was a little bit high but I had this underlying belief anyway it kept me going it kept me through dark times I'm going to make make it true I'm going to make through this I'm going to I'm going to get through this eventually I know I will you know and I also had the support of my mother um and my father but my mother especially she she 
always ingrained into me, like, you're, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this, you know? I admire the, the positive thinking from yourself, from your family, because I've, I've been through a lot. And I feel like that's what got me going was just being positive, telling myself, like, regardless of what I'm going through at this moment, as hard as it might seem, like, you got this. And the fact that you're thinking that way, it's amazing. And you're here now. You know, you went from yeah. going to the hospital, probably feeling like you have no control of your life, to now helping other people, writing books. That's amazing. And that shows that, yes, we can still struggle with mental health, but overcome it. Absolutely. And I'm so glad the positive kind of thinking has helped you as well in the past and to hear that as well. But I think, like, and maybe for your listeners as well, often when we're afraid, just to get the point across that, like, I was afraid of myself. I was afraid of my own power. I was afraid of what I could do in the world. You know, I was afraid of myself. So I was also afraid of my surroundings, also afraid of psychiatric hospitals. They weren't friendly, you know, but like it was fear of myself, fear of my own power. You know, were you ever diagnosed with anything? Yes, I'm diagnosed with bipolar. Okay. Type one or type two? Uh, they didn't really give me a type. Um, so it's basically bipolar with symptoms of psychosis. Okay. Went from being in a psychiatric hospital, you, you told me five times, to healing, writing books, and now helping other individuals. Yeah. So first of all, like, to be straight, like, anybody can hear can hear from mental health. You know what I mean? Like, some of us will always live with mental health, where it's about management. You know, and like I want to get the point the point across. Like mental health is a is a relatively new idea. You know what I mean? Like in in a lot of communities around the world, like in certain communities, like in the Amazon or the Indian shamanic cultures, mental health doesn't even come into conversation. It's seen as like a spiritual awakening or a breakthrough. Mm. You know what I mean? And like I see my five admissions, as you mentioned, like as breakthroughs each time. I see them as positive things. They're where I need to be. They're where I needed to get to. They're, I needed to go to that place, but they're breakthroughs. I, I didn't break down. I broke through. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I try to inspire with people. Like This has just been my journey to your listeners. It doesn't mean they might even need a, a mental health admission or no admission. They might need more than five mental health admissions. That's just my journey. Do you know what I mean? But like now I just, the book, the book came about in, in um, in 2017. So like my my mission with that book was if I help one person go through mental health in a more positive light or in a helpful way, then that's my my project accomplished. My book is accomplished, you know. But it ended up helping dozens of people. You know, I was on national television. I got radio interviews in Ireland and, you know, people, it was a success and helped a lot of people. But I suppose my intention was to help one person and it, it did that. So. Yeah, I'm lucky now that I'm blessed that I get to help other people on their journey too, you know? I think your positive thinking and the way you take anything that's thrown at you and you're able to just look at it in a positive way, like you said, it's it's just I needed to get through this to be who I am today. I think that's a great way to look at it. What advice would you give to people who are currently struggling with their mental health? Advice, yeah, so... My main piece of advice from what I've learned is try not to, as best you can, put a timeline on your recovery. Mm, love that. 
Yeah. So like, don't put pressure on yourself to be well, you know, take your time. This is your life. You know, we've, be, we've come so, we've become so concerned, especially in the Western world about the future, future goals, future plan, future thinking, future scams. Because it's a scam, it's future thinking, it's not real, you know? All you have is the present moment. Everything else is an illusion. The past is in the past. Don't dwell on it. Leave it in the past where it belongs. You know, don't be concerned about the future. Try as best you can. And mind yourself, regardless of who's around you in your life, put yourself first, you know? As much as you can, put yourself first. It's not a selfish thing to do. If anything, it's the best thing you can do to be supportive for those around you to be the best brother, sister, son, daughter, mother, father you can be. You know what I mean? I so. think from everything you said, the two things that stood out to me, and I think it's because I used to do it myself, I was guilty for it, is I used to think too much about the future. And sometimes when you think too much yeah. about the future, you become anxious. Like I remember it used to bring me anxiety. I used to put this extra pressure on myself that wasn't necessary. And I wasn't living the moment. And as well yeah. as just being able to be positive, I think that's so important. And moving along to my next question I have for you, how can family members who are seeing a loved one or a friend struggling with a mental health, how can they help them? I think the main thing, it comes back to time again and time in healing. So like, the main thing I'd say is be patient. Be patient with your loved one. I know it's hard to see a loved one re- recovering, but remember to stay patient with them, you know, because, you know, like... It's, it's tough for everyone. It's tough for everyone involved, you know. But try not to put your expectations of who they should be in the world on them. You know, that's your stuff, remember. And often people who are going through recovery are, are putting a lot of pressure on themselves anyway. You know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be well. So they don't need extra influence outside, more pressure to be well, to this future thinking again, this future kind of, well, in six months, you'll be well, or in, uh, in a month or in a year, you'll be well, or in two years, you know. Don't put these timelines on it. Be patient. Be patient as much as you can. That's what I'd say. And how do you feel a person, like a family member, can be patient and still be supportive without, becoming, without it affecting them personally? Because I know I became so involved in trying to help my brother that I felt like it started yeah. affecting me with my mental health. Yeah, of course. I've seen it with my own family, you know, like it, it taught it, 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 my mental health recovery and my mental health journey, like it broke me down, but it broke them down too equally. It was equally as tough for them just as it was for me, you know? Um, so it's important to mention that, you know, and, um, thank you for sharing that as well. But, um, yeah, I think, they have to mind themselves as well, you know, and realize that that is that person's journey. Like they can be supportive as much as they can, but they have to mind themselves in the process and realize that that is that person's journey. That is, that's their journey. You know what I mean? It's not my journey. I can't own that. They have to own that themselves. Do you know what I mean? So. What advice will you give men who are, either starting to see something it's affecting them, whether it can be something so little becoming overwhelming to, you know, actually struggling with anxiety, depression, but they're not speaking up. What advice will you give them? Start talking. The longer you leave it, the worse it gets, you know, um, start somewhere, even a word, two words, 
I'm not feeling great. Something like that. It doesn't need to be a whole, a book of your story in one night. It can let in someone else know. You have to let someone else know. Because number one, it's going to do you the best. It's going to be very, very good for you. It's going to be very, very good for your mental health and very, very good for your well-being and your own sanity, you know, and your own happiness, you know. And number two, I'd say um, it's also going to help you, but it's going to help um, everyone else as well, you know. So I'm so grateful to be having this conversation with you because I know you're going to be helping so many people when they hear your story. I love how positive you are. Like if I have never gotten to know your story today, I would have just seen like a person who is just so happy and brings so much positivity to the world. And I love that you're doing this because I believe that I have PTSD. So I don't let my diagnose define me. I still want people to understand, like, if you've been diagnosed, if you know a loved one who's been diagnosed, like, they're going to be okay. There's nothing different about us. And so I love that you're doing this and that you're so positive. Um, what's one thing that you learn about yourself so far during your self-healing journey? Thanks so much, by the way. And like, you know, like I do try to remain, remain as positive as I can, you know, um, I get days when like, it's not as, po- I don't feel positive and upbeat, obviously, but I try to stay as positive as I can, you know, but uh, one thing I've learned, um, the answers you seek are within. The answers I seek, they're always within. They're always still within, mm. you know, I'll say that again. The answers you seek are within you, you know. You hold the keys. You open the doors. There's the Einstein quote. Einstein once said, um, he said something like, the first definition of insanity is, the first sign of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result. Mm. You know? So like, I self-sabotaged a little bit of my recovery. I'd done the same things over and over. You know, I, for example, like, I knew alcohol wasn't good for me. So I quit eventually, but I did do a lot of like using alcohol to numb my feelings, using alcohol as a way to kind of get through it, you know, so things like that. But I've read hundreds and hundreds of self-help books, hundreds. And don't get me wrong, they helped me. They did. But at the end of the day, I realized eventually that I have all the answers and I was, that I was seeking outside myself, reading Tony Robbins, reading all these coaches, all these best help. And they helped. They did. But I have the answers. I have the answers. And everyone listening today has the answers, you know? How do you, what do you do? Like, let's say with mental health, some days we're good, some, day, some days we're not. What do you do to, when you're feeling like you're regressing? So I tell someone mm. straight away. I tell someone. I'm like, I feel like I'm slipping a little bit. I feel like my sleep is out of whack, you know? Um, and then that, that, and then a, a plan is built from there. It's like you, you said, when, what do I say to men who don't want to be open about mental health? A plan will be built from your first words. You know what I mean? So like with sleep, for example, I know I have to take an antihistamine. It helps me with sleep. So I know if my sleep's are getting out of whack, I'll then phone my doctor. I might tell my, my mother, my father, 
my brother, my my family. Um, I'm not not feeling 100 and say, well, you need to find a doctor. You need to do something about it. You need to put an action in place. I know you uh, spoke earlier that you believe that you should always put yourself first. What are yeah. some things that you do during your me time? You know, um, self care time, like we like to call it nowadays. Um, yeah. So, like me time. So, I, I suppose I like spending a little bit of time in nature. I love being by the sea. I don't live near the sea, but um, I try to get to the sea when I can. You know, um, quite a spiritual person. So, I do like um, I do readings. I do tarot readings as well. I know it's like you might not say it's me time, but it's it helps me as well reading the tarot and I, I do that. I also like expressive things. So I do a lot of music. That's kind of my main me time. So I do hip hop music. So it's, uh, it's, um, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I write music. I do raps. I put it out to the world and people like it and I like it and it's good for me. I help. I, I feel like it, it helped me kind of music helped me find my voice a little bit and, express who I am I'm not sure if you believe in like self-affirmation and then if you do yep. what is some of the things that you tell yourself I love myself I am worthy you know um something I, I struggled a long time with was self-acceptance I struggled with accepting myself um accepting who I was in the world apologizing for who I am to people around me they didn't seek my apology they didn't want my apology but I was almost apologizing for speaking. You know what I mean? Now I just say to myself, I clench my face and I say, I love myself. I put my hand in my heart and I say, I love you. I accept you. I accept you for who you are. You know what I mean? You're not perfect. No one's perfect. You know what I mean? But like, you've got a place in the world the same way everyone else does. I wish I can like be having this conversation with you in person because if you I know permission, I would have just I'd love it. You. I love the <laughs> energy that you're bringing to your energy. I just love it. Like you like lifted me up and ah, oh, oh, awesome. you're that type of person. Awesome. Like I was good, but then you just brought your energy and I feel so good. And I hope that the listeners who are listening to this will feel uplifted as well. So I hope so too. I hope so too. <laughs> um, I always have a curveball question for all my listeners. And yeah. I think you don't do this because you say I put myself first. But sometimes we don't. And sure. what's one thing you love about yourself? My honesty. Mm. I wear my heart in the sleeve. I wear my heart in my sleeve. Do you know what I mean? But like, I feel like when I'm being honest with the world, being honest with myself, being honest with the people around me, I feel like, okay, they're not, not everyone's going to like that. Not everyone's going to accept that. Not everyone's going to agree with you. But at least I'm being honest and true to myself. When I go to sleep and when I put my head in the pillow and say, yeah, I was honest today. I was true to myself. I was true to my being. I said things that weren't popular, but at least I was honest, you know? Honesty takes you a long way. And I definitely see it. I can definitely see how you're very honest. Um, can you tell my listeners how can they find your book? Because I definitely want to read your book. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, the name of my book is A Funny Thing About Depression. Mm. So um, it's written in 2017. So like, you know, it, it talks about depression and it talks about my journey up to that point. But 
I suppose my journey after that point, like I've been in hospital since, you know, doesn't paint the full picture, but um, people can find me on um, Instagram at, at the Irish Oracle. I'll make sure I as post well. Instagram um, and I'll make sure I post your book there as well. Because okay, cool. read it. Um, I have this, que- this random question that popped up because I feel like you just be the right person to access. There's okay. younger generation are struggling with social media, with the pressure of just sure. comparing themselves or they feeling like, you know, they're not doing enough because someone else seems like they're doing more. What advice would you give them? And how do you set your boundaries with social media? So I'll talk about the advice piece first. Um, it's a, the boundaries piece first. I suppose for me, it's something I need to work on. Mm. To be honest, it's something I need to work on. Um, like I'm quite open on social media. Um, I haven't got it all figured out. Like social media is pretty new to all of us really in the bigger scheme of things. Um, so my boundary is something I need to work on with it, definitely. Um, I spend a lot of time on it, you know. Um, but definitely a break, a break from it helps, you know, it um a bit of a digital detox. But I'm definitely no saint when it comes to that. I spend a lot of time on it and I need to work on my boundaries on that. But if I was to give a piece of advice to anyone who's work who is has like that comparison thing going on, mm-hmm. because it's something I have myself in the past. Like looking at like fitness, fitness profiles and, you know, um, maybe bodies or something like this, these type of things, you know, um, I would say is like, it's a quote I heard from someone else. It says, don't compare your number one to somebody else's number 10. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, it's self-explanatory, you know, like deal with your life. You know what I mean? Like what? If someone has a million followers, two million followers, hundred thousand followers, thousand followers, five hundred. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. Like, deal with what you are doing. Focus on yourself. You know what I mean? Like that's how I've learned. Is like focus on myself. Do what I'm doing. If you're active on social media, do what you're doing. Don't look at the influencers for for comparison. You know. Thank you so much for that message. That's what I say. Um. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have you back because I'm going to read your book and then I'm going to have you back with a whole bunch of questions. So be ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I'd love to come back. I'd love to come back. <laughs> well, Kyle, I wish our conversation never ended. Not sure if you have any questions for me. Look, we'll, when I'm, when I get to New York, I'll hit you up and we'll, we'll I'll yes. have questions then for you. <laughs> yes, please. Um, thank you so much. I'm so grateful we crossed path, even if it's through social media, that we got to have this honest conversation. You are, I love your story. Thanks so much for having me on. I love your story. I love the positivity. I love how honest you are. Thank you so much. I am beyond grateful that I got to have you on Oopsie Daisy. And I can't wait for everyone to listen to your story. And I can't wait to have you back. (laughs) Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. All right, my Oops listeners, that is all I have for this week. I really hope you enjoy the conversation, the message. And I want to end it with a quote. Here it goes. You don't have to control your thoughts. You just have to stop letting them control you. I thought it was a perfect quote to end this week's episode because that really is what mental health is. 
we have to be stronger. We can't let it control us. The moment we allow it to define us, then that's when things get worse. So before it gets to that point, reach out for help, like always, support system, therapist. If you don't have, if you don't have none of that, email me, DM me on Instagram. Please, you're not alone. Don't forget to tune in next Thursday where we'll have a new guest, continue to learn about mental health, continue to learn about people's journey in life, and most importantly, continue to learn that we are human beings and we all have our story. Don't forget that you're special, one of a kind, you're loved, and you're not alone in this world. And like my mother liked to say, que Dios los bendiga.